Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, welcome to the Kern River Fly Shop. This is Guy Jeans, Rob Bueller. Hey now, how you guys doing? Ryan Bueller. Hey everybody. And today is Wednesday, January 26th. Is that right? <laughs> I think. Yeah. And um, I just want to give a, a shout out to everybody out there that's been listening to the podcast. We've been getting lots of great positive feedback. And we want to invite you guys to ask some questions. Um, we want to know who you'd like to have on the podcast, that sort of thing. And you can uh, answer, or excuse me, ask questions at Kern River Fly Shop Podcasts at gmail.com. That's Kern River Fly Shop Podcast at gmail.com. And we happen to have our first question right now. Hike from Glendale wanted to know why Ryan is so much better at guiding than his brother Rob. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, Hike wanted to know. Brother, we love. I love it. Hike wanted to know why we. Wait, 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 wait. When he went out with you, did he catch any fish? Oh, oh God. <laughs> right? All right. Enough said. The day before, he caught his first trout because I told him where to go and what All to do. All right. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, we, well, yeah, you know. Right on, hike. Hike. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hike wanted to know why and when we use tippet rings and what size. And since Rob has a little um, background in using these, we're going to let him answer the question. Go for it. I've uh, been using the Rio two millimeter, which are also labored, labeled as trout tippet rings. And those are super tiny though. They're really hard to work with. So a little tip on how to assemble those, how to put your knots on those is leave them on the little clip, separate one ring with your finger while it's still on the clip, push it to the side. So you have a little space in the middle of the ring, kind of, um, uh, I don't don't know. Separated from the other ones. Yeah, thank you. Separated from the other ones and then uh, one side securely against the inside of that clip and then exposing a little bit of the inside of the ring. Then you can slide your tippet through there, tie your knot while it's still on the little clip. Get your knot secured if you're tying uh, another your leader to the ring, tie that knot, then tie your tippet to the ring as well while it's still on the clip, then release the clip, slide your uh, ring off, and go ahead and go fishing from there. If you try and slide the ring off first, those little itty-bitty rings are nearly impossible, even for someone with (laughs) nimble fingers. And good eyes. Yeah, so um, do that while it's on the clip. So much easier. And so the... Those, the two millimeters are good, uh, the most efficient for trout fishing, uh, but three millimeters are still fine, and those are labeled as steelhead, so don't get hung up on that whole trout steelhead thing. If you're having a hard time with the little itty-bitty ones, go ahead and use the three millimeters, and those will work just fine as well. I like using the three millimeter ones. They're just easier for me to deal with and tie on, and I haven't had any... Um, 
like bad effects by using that little bigger one. So it's up to you, personal choice, but I like to use the three millimeters. So for those who don't know what tippet rings are, could you guys explain, you know, what a tippet ring is and why we use those? It's a little itty bitty uh, metal ring and generally used to connect uh, the leader to a section of tippet. If you put that little tie of the ring onto your leader, it keeps your leader as one complete section. And it's, after you change flies, it's not shrinking that down over time and shortening your leader. So if you have an expensive leader or if you're Euro nymphing with a specific length leader, you can have all that set up with that little tippet ring on the end and use that um, trip after trip or day after day and then just change out the tippet on the, on the far end or the bottom end of that ring. So you have the ring that's secured to your leader, your leader never gets shortened, and then you can adjust the tippet, uh, change the tippet size out, change the tippet length out as you need on the other end of that ring. Yeah, in the competition days, it made it really super uh, simple to you know change out your nymph rigs. You know, we'd have those foam uh, circles, and then we'd wrap our our different um, rigs on those, and then pre-rigged, and then yeah. we, when we broke off or whatever, we just go whoop and pull that out, and then tie right on the tipper ring, so and ready to go. Yeah. That's a good point too. A guy just said when you break off, you always want to use a heavier uh, a tippet size or leader size on on the top end, and then as you transition to the bottom end of your or the tippet, make sure that's lighter. So when you do hang up, that's breaking off below the that ring, and then you just change out. Um, your tip up below the ring and that competition styles you know translated to all the euro style and all that now that's so popular a lot of new fly fishers that's the first thing they're doing they're yeah. jumping in so those rings have gotten real popular with people out there to use more than they used to be um we i haven't used them till this year i started using them because of that euro maybe last year right at the beginning what a weekend huh uh, you guys were uh doing a lot of teaching and it was. And, it was uh, busy. What did, what did you do? What did you teach this weekend? We had uh, the beginning number one class on Saturday. Um, we had a group come out, and we did our two hours over in the shop and then went down and learned casting. And out of that group, um, we had four of them come back the next day for the beginning number two class on Saturday. Nice. And we got out on the water. A couple of them caught their first trout ever. Um, really had a good time. Learned to read the water real well. That's one of the things that the beginning number two class gets into more is um, not just different riggings, but actually getting on the water and learning how to read the water. Um, so that class is really useful. And also a big group of them did the Saturday night tying class yeah, with Rob and I. Three of the students from the beginning class yeah. also came to the fly tying class in the evening. So yeah. you, you guys had like six people in that? Or we seven? did. Yeah. Uh, so a gentleman yeah, six, from yeah. my Lower Owens clinic last week came to the fly tying. And then Ryan's usual, uh, Craig and Nick, I think it's their fifth time they've yeah. been. Yeah, yeah. Shout father, out son. to Craig and Nick yeah. out there. Right. So they, and they did their first uh, dry fly on this trip. Oh, El Caracatus. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was, that was good. Sweet. But well, didn't I see um, somebody in, oh, the so, in the fly oh, tying class went out and caught a fish on yeah, that? Yeah, that's what yeah. I was just going to say. Yeah, so okay. we tied, we, the beginner, the, Ryan had, excuse me, Ryan had Nick and uh, Craig. Craig, father, son, tied their first, it's their fifth trip or their, fir, their fifth fly tying class with the Bueller Bros. And they tied their first dry fly, the El Caracatus. The other group, there's four brand new beginners, first timers. And we tied the electric candy, which is a variation on Guy's current candy, a little egg pattern. 
and then two slim shinies um depending on the uh color of thread each of them had there was oranges blues and reds tied and one of the students did go katie. out with ryan katie went out with yeah. ryan and, and go ahead and tell the story yeah, about that. so we go out and her husband clayton fishes and wanted to get her into it so signed her up both of them up for all the classes and we went out on sunday to read the water and get her going and she was crazy she picked it up so quick actually what a take was and that indicator barely twitched and she hit she had her own slim shiny on there caught her first trout and on her own fly at the same time i it was she was just like glowing and it's one of those moments where she was just living in the moment she didn't think of anything else for that time and it was like she was a little kid again and so happy and joyful it was awesome Nice. And just had a great time. And um, right after that, she booked, her and her husband booked two trips in March with me to go out, one on the Lower Owens, one up here on the Kern, to keep her education going and um, keep her progressing on her skills. So, so what, did, what did one of the other gentlemen say who, oh, who watched the whole event? Okay, so, yeah, Steve, he's another first-timer, came out, took all the classes. Um, he was watching. He goes, you just made her day. He goes, I got so much joy just watching her for sure catch that fish yeah. and the joy that came out of her. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was a really good weekend. I'm amazed that you can remember everybody's name. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah, just cause it was this weekend. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what, what'd you do? Like, did you on Thursday and Friday? So I helped the, with Ryan on the tying class, yeah. obviously Saturday night. And then yeah. on Thursday and Friday, I had two of my better clients, Josh and two, actually my best two clients, hands down, uh, Josh and Johnny, we fished the lower Owens full day, Thursday, half day, Friday. Uh -huh. And earlier in the week, I uh, had a couple clients as well. And the, the fishing has been everywhere from phenomenal to very, very good up there over the last couple of weeks, uh, the warmer and steady water temperatures and air temps. I've just put the, the fish on the chew. Um, the one thing that's been kind of particular is you've had to have relatively small flies. Normally, Ryan and I fish up there. We fish a lot of size 14, 16s, and don't have any problems getting the fish to bite when we're uh, nymphing. They kind of shied away from that over the last week or so. So 18s and 20s, um, definitely getting a lot more bites, in the, especially midges and small, like uh, blue-wing olive imitations. Um, nymphs or, or nymphs, dries, nymphs. Uh, the dries has been crazy so this year has been uh kind of unusual typically we have a even on slow days we have a midday hatch mm -hmm. um then you know you get a few fish popping in in some of the good runs uh some of the days this year almost zero fish rising in some of the better runs for the midday blueing olive hatch uh always a midge hatch in the morning and there has been some fish rising for those but they're, it's sporadic. You, you don't have the same fish rising in the exact same spot, so it's hard to target the same fish. Um, they'll kind of just be popping up in odd spots in a pool. Um, so you, you just got to drift it through and hope you get one. Um, but uh, definitely can target them with that. And then in the afternoons, it's been a very unique catch this year. Yes. The little western weedy water sedge, which is a, a small caddis, uh, typically uh, will hatch and, and is usually a little bit bigger. Yeah, this year they're smaller size than we've Micro, seen normally. Micro, super, super small, well smaller than 20s, probably 24s to 26s. Yeah, 24s for sure. And wow. the, those are hatching yeah. after the blue wing hatch. The blue wing hatch typically ends about 2 o'clock. And so from about 2 to 4, there's a lot of these caddis flying around. And on most days, 
uh, we haven't been seeing fish rise. The other day when I had Josh and Johnny, we were coming back to the car and there were fish rising in this soft eddy and it was about four o'clock, typically, okay. typically not fish rising at that point. Yeah. And I still had on the Quigley Cripple, which is the mayfly imitation. And I said, I said to Johnny, I go, hey, they're not eating the mayfly right now, but if you present this well, they'll eat it because they're just used to seeing this. Like five drifts in, boom, he was on a fish. So caught a fish uh, on the dry right at the end of the day. So if you do um, see those fish rising to the caddis at the end of the day, try a Griffith snat as well. It'll, it'll like a cluster oh, yeah. imitation mm -hmm. um, since those flies are so darn small. Or just go with that mayfly pattern that they might just eat anyway. And the more this goes on the next week or two, if those caddis keep going, the fish will get tuned into them more. But like Rob said, for a while, they just weren't, the catch was going off, but they weren't eating them at all. No fish were getting active. And it's only a matter of time before we nope. get our, what's called a first generation blue wing olive hatch. Um, the blue wings hatch throughout the year on the lower Owens. In January, you get the largest of the hatch, size 16, sometimes even 14s come off. And then as each successive hatch goes throughout the year, you about, you'll have a heavy hatch for a week or two. Yeah. It'll fade out. Then the next generation will come, you know, anywhere from four to six, six weeks later. That's and it shrinks yeah. down and, until you get into the fall and, and uh, midwinter with very, very tiny ones, you know, 24s, 22s, 24s, which is what's been hatching lately. Has been. But we're ready for that size 16 first generation <laughs> yeah. hatch was super fun because the fish and just gorge on those they yeah. really key in on those and they'll go crazy for more just because it's great and the food source the, the last few trips we've been seeing just a couple of those large ones flying around and and the did you see the picture i sent you yeah yeah so that yeah. looks like a size 16 too yeah. that's ready to pop there's not a ton of those around mm -hmm. yet but but um any day now or you know within this next week or so should be a really really yeah. good hatch you know it's crazy i've been up there and um just fishing and nothing's going on and then the whole river's just out of control oh okay what a, what a fishery man people it blows cool. their mind they'll come yeah. through and they'll like say you come through a run and they'll catch two fish and think they've caught every fish in that run and then the hatch kind of goes off and you turn around and you literally see like 20 to 30 heads popping out of that same run yeah and you're like oh my god there's so many fish in this it's river. insane it I mean, really is yeah amazing i've yeah. seen that happen on the current too where i was just like yeah. what I, yeah yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my god yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Especially during the yellow Sally hatch. Um, I've seen that just yeah. un unbelievable. Um, well, I was, uh, you know, going back to the school thing. Yeah. What have um, you been doing? Uh, this week. Sorry, we rambled. Oh, no, no, bit. it's all good. <laughs> no, I'm glad. That's, that was awesome. Um, I was down in the uh, uh, Orange County area and uh, checking stuff out uh, last week and then, um, which I want to get back to, but then I did my classes up on Pismo and up on the Pismo Beach, and then did a casting class in San Luis Obispo, which um, both of them were awesome, good, good students and whatnot. But what I wanted to touch on was um, I was going around exploring different uh, lakes in Orange County, and come to my surprise, um, a lake that I had heard was actually, people were fly fishing a lot, was Laguna Niguel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I went there, and um, I started talking to the ranger, you know, I was looking for you know, maybe go fishing or something like that. And he's all, oh, we don't allow fly fishing anymore here. What? Yeah. And he's all, we don't allow fly fishing in any Orange County parks now. 
Oh. And I'm like, what? I go, why? He's like, oh, it's too much of a liability, man. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So yeah, yeah, it got really big for a while with the, yeah. like the Crowley Midge technique with the indicators and stuff there. Okay. So yeah. is wow. that due to people shore fishing and then casting behind them? Must have been. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Mean, yeah, but I mean, uh, I went down to the lake, and you know, sure enough, there's fish rising all. Oh yeah, stuff. It uh, look good. So you can go there's bass in there too. Oh, is there? Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a cool little lake. It man. is. Yeah. Um, do they allow float tubes? I didn't even ask. They about used that. to. They, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. I didn't see anybody out there, but there was yeah. some dudes bait fishing, and they were just tearing it up. Yeah. Over there. Dang. But I was kind of surprised at that. So that Me was too. that was on, on my scouting mission. I was getting just hammered. And they'll like, <laughs> they, like oh my god, nope. I can't, can't, can't fly go fish here, in Orange can't County. Go here, can't go there. Can't they go there. used to bring in massive trout from out of state too. Okay, like huge um, trout, like tailwalkers from Utah and stuff. Yeah, so. twenty incher, oh. you know, type five pound trout. Yeah, yeah. really. I, I mean, I remember hearing about it. That's why yeah, I went there yeah. to check it out. So what's been going on in the Kern since you've been? Oh you know, my what's going God, on? it's really good it's fishing actually. Yeah. Um, with the warmer weather we've been having, the water's been steady. Um, it's been like forty-two to forty-four water temps, and the fish have been responding. Uh, and a lot of different areas up and down the river, they've been active. So the forty-two to forty-four, I just want to note, mostly below Fairview Dam. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, I should state that it's below the dam, um, down to the powerhouse, and in the town here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I just want to make yeah. sure, you know. Yeah. And Ryan and I went above the bridge yesterday, and it was 39 up it there. It was. So just to clarify for everybody. Yeah, and we went above the bridge, and, you know, we fished hard for the hour, two hours we were out there. God, each got dunks. Robbie got a fish in. So there's wild fish even active up there because the weather's been good. Um, you got to work for them to get your takes, but there are definitely some fish active up in that area. Absolutely. It was fun. Um, and God, it was just gorgeous up there, like always, you know. Yeah. But the main part of the current's been great. Um, there's been some stalkers put down here in town by the park and the powerhouse for those people who were interested in that. And then, like I said, the wild fish have been getting more and more active up and down the river. And um, it's been really good. Clients have been getting into fish, and um, even people coming in the shop, a lot of people have been saying they've been catching fish out here. Nice. Yeah. Slim Shiny is blowing out of the bins. Oh. I, I, I must have put just the orange alone at least over 20 dozen this month, and, and it's been a relatively slow it, month. It has. And, they just been, and they're just getting they are wiped out. Oh. <laughs> are you serious? Oh, my God. That's it crazy. has been. It's and awesome. Everyone's been and catching them all over the Kern, over on the, the Kings, you know, everywhere oh, yeah. they've been doing yeah. really well. So. Great fly, man. Yeah, it has been. So a guy came in uh, the shop from today from the Forest Service. I don't know if you guys have been hearing about the the relicensing of the powerhouse and all that on the KR3 and the Fairview no, Dam. No, so I have not there's a, at all. There's a big uh, thing going on right now okay. with uh, rafting company companies and people that like to use the river um, to boat and that sort of thing. And so you know how they, the Fairview Dam, they take water out? Correct. You know, yeah. so they're what they're trying to do is get get it so that there's a certain flow coming over that um a regulated flow below the dam correct which would be fantastic because last year it even affected us in the fishing uh coming into sorry to interject real quick but but it did truly affect us with the fishing uh it was november the flows were about 100 cubic feet per second maybe 90 or 100 below the dam and we were all our clients were we were still catching wild fish in november even into early december 
the second they dropped down to 40, boom, those fish quit biting uh-huh. and it just shut off. And it was still fishable and mm-hmm. it, it was, you know, uh, at a level that was relatively healthy for the fish, but it affected the fishery uh, pretty dramatically. And those so those low flows, the water gets affected it, by the air temps more. It so got, it got colder. so much colder, so much no. quicker that uh, it really shut down those fish. Yeah, unfortunately. So um, apparently they're going to, they're talking about like maybe even shutting that thing down. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wow. Okay. So that's the talk right now. I don't know the specifics, but that's what he was kind of talking about. Where it would just be a natural flow? Mm -hmm. Okay. The true Freestone River. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I think... You know, one of the things I want to clear up too with the with the rafting community is, you know, my friends that work at some of the rafting companies, they they'll say in the past, in the past years, they've said to me, "Oh, I bet you like the water when it's really low and all that." And I'm like, "Well, sometimes, yeah, but you know, if we have high water, it means like it's a healthy river, you correct? Know? And we have and it just blows everything out, and we have great healthy fish and healthy okay. bugs and all that kind of stuff. And so they're like, Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And I'm all, yeah, it's colder water all the way through the season. Absolutely. And, you know, That's what I was yeah, just going to mention. Air temps don't affect yeah. it as much. It stays yeah. stable. So all you, all you uh, river rafting folks out there, yeah. we, we like big water too. Yeah, yeah we do. The one thing, like you said, it flushes the <laughs> river. And this last year we didn't get that. So you can see all the silt, um, some ash built up all over the rocks next to the shore. And, um, it's slipperier, but also it tends to suffocate all the bug and plant life there. Exactly. Yep. And so that affects the river. So we love that good flow to clean and flush all that sediment out. We're hoping for a couple more storms as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In, in 2000, you know, uh, during the McNally fire, I mean, we had all that sediment that came down. Correct. And it just, I mean, it was unbelievable, you know. And then for a couple of years, it was, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, sediment in the river and yeah. whatnot. But what was interesting about that as well is all the plants and all the different bushes and stuff that started growing because of that. The as nutrients. Well. Yeah, yeah, it was really neat. So what, then, well, then we had a huge water come down and just flush everything, flush everything out and then left a lot of the stuff down. And it was yeah. pretty cool. What Ryan and I noticed is the 
just the simple filtering of the river this year, what the, we had the first rain after the fires was heavy ash. The, the river was dark, dark brown, almost mm-hmm. going on black. And everybody was really worried about what was going to happen. Two days later, I caught a fish, maybe even the next day. Oh, that's that's awesome. And we were like, um, <laughs> and we saw fish rising yeah. in those conditions, you know, so we're like sweet, you know, great condition or a great outlook for the future of the river. Yeah. It cleared really quickly. Fishing got back to normal. Um, but a lot of that ash and sediment was gathered in the edges of the river. And we noticed the willow um, uh, roots that come down. So the willow trees right next to the river, their roots reach out into the river and go under the banks. And, and the roots actually uh, kind of grow up. They're little, these reddish things, almost looks like a red grass growing in the, in the river. But those things collected so much of that ash. It was like a natural filter mm-hmm. having those roots there. And you know that they're feeding off of that in the long run. Yes. And all that food's just going back into totally. the shoreline yeah. and up into the shore. So it was, it was pretty amazing to how the whole cycle works and, yes. and to, to watch that. Like a lot of times the fire, we look at it in so short term and how it affects us. But in the long term, a lot of it's good for nature, it, but it's absolutely not bad in the short run. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it looks like uh, at this point, we're a positive outlook with that more ash runoff and stuff. It, it looks like it'll be okay at this point. So just keep praying for the best. Exactly. So how, how have you guys' guide trips been uh, the last uh, few weeks or months? Have you guys been getting good folks and good customers and good clients and stuff? You guys pretty stoked on everybody? I have yeah. been, yeah. Uh, Thank yeah. you, people out there. Yeah. You know, but cool. yeah. The one thing, it's really uh, interesting how um, we don't meet, meet a lot of people all grumpy up here. You know, everyone's trying to get away, want to have a good time. Yep. And so everyone's usually cool. And then lately, and all last year too, so many people are brand new. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised at how they are just so happy and amazed at the Kern River and how yeah. nature just as amazing it is. And um, that girl, Katie, this weekend... She couldn't believe how amazing it was to stand in the water and have <laughs> awesome. flowing water and all awesome. that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been wonderful. All our trips have been great. Um, and it's, we're loving it. Yeah. yeah. Last few weeks have been kind of special for me. Almost everybody's been a repeat client or someone I've met on the river and talked to, and then they end up um, booking a trip. Uh, we had uh, Jim and Eric came out to the Lower Owens Clinic. And Jim had done our fly tying class mm-hmm. before. I know he's done your beginner class. He did, yep. And so he came out to the Lower Owens Clinic, and then Eric came with him. And I've run into Eric several times out on the um, Four Mile Trail. And he's talked about how he likes the podcast and the reports. And um, once the Lower Owens Clinic came up, he said he's fished up there four or five times and got skunked every time. Oh. And oh, so really? some, some of it was time of year where he just was at the wrong time. Flows yeah. weren't right for him. So the clinic was awesome. Uh, the other aspect of that whole thing with him with the clinic was he was, uh, he's been fishing, fly fishing for two years now and jumped in right away with Euronymphing. So he's an engineer. So obviously the way you catch the most fish is by Euronymphing, you know, most the- efficient the- way. theoretically, you know, right. but when you're jumping into it, if you study everything, that's what everybody's using. That's what the competition guys are using. So why not just use that technique if it's the most efficient? But if the more you get into fly fishing, the more you realize the, the Euro fishing is a tool and it's very effective in certain applications. But then there's certain times when other tools are really effective too. the bobber can be effect more effective even in certain situations. 
and dry fly fishing, dry dropper, whatever, you know, so, so different applications work at different times. I love um, um, George Daniel's book, Dynamic Nymphing. Covers all the different one. aspects. Yeah. So back to Eric now, all he did was Eurofish for two years. We came into the clinic, we covered all the different techniques. Um, he started Eurofishing at the front of a run and was not getting, he got one bite, I think, up at the head of the run. And I had Jim at the back of the run, which was a little slower pool with a bobber. And Jim had got five fish in the matter of time when Eric had gotten one bite. <laughs> and so Eric's like, wow, maybe I should check this out. We swapped him out. Eric started catching fish. We ended up getting maybe seven or eight fish on the bobber throughout the day, mm-hmm. which completely just kind of um, turned his opinion around yeah. on, the, on the styles of fish and opened it up a little bit. We also did some streamer fishing that day. But it was kind of cool to have um, someone that we've had contact with come back to another class. The very next day after that was Gary Creel. I've been out with about five times now, almost becoming friends with him. Of course, uh, Actually, yeah. I, I am friends with him now. Absolutely. And who else did you go out with Gary? The, the day after no, Gary. No, who, who went with you with Gary? Oh, Mr. Pink. Mr. Oh, my Pink. gosh. Gary's got a dog, Mr. Gary's, Pink. Gary's, <laughs> he's got an I think I've met him. <laughs> old, so it's an old, blind, awesome. in one eye, and deaf pit bull. And so I was Mr. Pink's babysitter for the day while Gary yep. fished, basically. So that, that, was, that was a challenge in itself. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's because we're friends now. So Gary knows he can, can trust me with his dog. And, and yeah. I'm welcome, I'm willing to hang out with his dog and all that. So that was super yeah. cool. Next day, Paul Henry. He's been up here. Oh, yeah. Paul's cool. Uh, since last fall, he's come up, bought all his equipment at the shop, and we've gone out three times now. So we've gone out first time on the Kern. We had a fantastic day. Then we did a Euro Nymphing Day on the Kern. Then we did Lower O last week. So done a couple of our cool time classes. Amazing yeah. to have these repeat customers and become friends with them. And then, like I mentioned, had Johnny and Josh at the end of the week. Um, I can't even count how many times I've been out with those guys. So. So really cool and thankful to have all these people come back time after time and want to fish with me again and again, you know, so it's been really rewarding, you know, it's, it's been rewarding since we've been here. Yeah. But this last couple of weeks has been really special actually. Yeah. It's cool. It's amazing. Um, I've met some of my best friends, um, fly fishing. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And in the shop and. I mean, that's how we met. We wouldn't know you otherwise. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been amazing. Um, what have you guys been listening to music wise? Oh, let's see what we got. <laughs> you got any things? Anything you've been I, I got to? one actually. Right, cool. So I, many, many years ago, if you've heard to any of our talks, Myron Ryan's talks about music, we're very eclectic, very diverse. Yeah. So as I go throughout the years, I'm always checking something out. If I haven't listened to a certain style of music, I'll dive in and pull like, what's supposed to be the best out of that and listen to it or whatever. And so many, many years ago, I'm, I'm not versed on sky. I, I knew a little bit about reggae. I listened to Jimmy Cliff, Bob Marley growing up and you know, the general stuff like that, but I didn't really know a lot about ska. And so I went and this was when we had tower records near us, Ryan and I was still many, many moons ago. And you could just go into a, a, a record shop, and check stuff out. Go to the ska the section. They'd have a ska section. You're just you look at stuff. You look see what's cool or whatever you know. And I'd heard of the Scottalites, and there was one CD that was uh, called um, "Stretching Out." So it was in the mid '80s, and it was a yep. live CD, and it had almost all their classics on it. And it had, from what I understood, it had a couple of the original Horn dudes on it, uh, Roland Alfonso, and maybe Tommy McCook. 
Um, I can't remember the names for sure, but that's kind of what's coming to me. Oh, don't yeah. look at me for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's but good, it was, dude. It was awesome. You know, I really, really liked it. Um, and then I had a guy who stole it from me at work, oh, you know, like yeah. five or six years later, you know, so I dug it for many, many years, but then it's been gone. And so I'm, I don't know what brought it up in my head uh, last week or maybe about a month ago. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'd, and I'd searched for it. I'd searched for the used CD before. I can't find it used, you know, uh, Amazon will have a lot of that stuff, but I couldn't find it. And then I finally said, oh, I'm looking for it on my Pandora. There it is on my Pandora, stretching out. You can play the Sweet. whole darn awesome. album. Yeah, so I played that. Yep. I've been jamming that, which has been super cool. Kind of jump back into that. Um, um, what's cool about that, the Scott Lights too, is they, they do this regular easy ska stuff, but they're, they totally improvise over the top of it. You that's know? what threw so me cool. in, because yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm jazz-oriented. Like. I like improvisation, yeah. so it's yeah. not the same stuff. You can tell yeah. they're the, it's fresh every night for them, too. Yeah. And, and they got chops, you know? The, the, the best guys in the band got good chops. So yeah. it was fun for me to listen to. So it was kind of neat to revisit that and jump back into that. That's cool. And then, and then one of the things I like about it as well is there's not lyrics. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the lyrics <laughs> is damn, those it's, damn songwriters. It's lyrics hard. are hard to get. It's so hard <laughs> to, to express <laughs> what we experience as human beings in words. And there's only, you know, if you look at all the great songwriters throughout history, there's not a ton of them. So, you know, it's words are limited. So sometimes it's better just to have the music express it than, than the words for me. So I'm a big music guy. So it's kind of nice to have that too. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> this will be kind of interesting for you. My band's played with them probably three times okay and Scabone, our, our trombone players played with them awesome which is kind of cool um but yeah great guys great band you know um classic yeah you know, absolutely so, classic so, and then yeah. since so since i put that on my pandora some of the other um albums have been coming up and i'm being getting other songs cycling through of theirs throughout the years which is cool too cool. just exposing yeah. me to it and then other, <laughs> other people in that genre as well yeah 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 Awesome. So that's been fun. Very cool. Anything for you, bud? Yeah, Rob's turned me on to this uh, young kid, Billy Strings. Oh, yeah. Um, fabulous, like, bluegrass guitar picker, mm -hmm. songwriter, singer. And he branched out. He's played with, like, uh, Billy Kreutzmann of the drummer, one of the drummers for the dead. And he is just this phenomenal young talent. Bella Flex, the cat in bluegrass and has this um, pretty much all-star touring band oh, right yeah. now and has invited Billy to play with them on several events, which is you don't get invited up on stage no. with Bella unless you're the, the cat. You're, you're and the there's, yeah. this, there's this great video of them just sitting together and Bayless got his banjo and Billy Strings next to him picking and singing. And Bayless watching him, he's smiling, he, does this great lick and he smiled and all of a sudden Baylor takes off and Billy turns at him and just starts shaking his head because the masters, you know, playing right in front of him. But that's how good Billy strings is. He's invited to play with all those guys and mm -hmm. he's just one of the young cats and he's writes a lot of good songs that are, um, updated lyrics, kind of that whole bluegrass, um, feel of the lyrics and updated them. It's got his most famous ones like, uh, 20 long years for dust in a baggie. You know, and it's that whole tragedy of some of our dope stories out there and getting busted. And um, it's updated. The bluegrass used to be booze. And nowadays he's upgraded it to, you know, more modern times. And it's it's really good. And he's turned a lot of young people onto it, which is really nice. 
Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Did I tell you guys about the Ravi Shankar show I went to? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if I told you that. Yeah. Did I tell about it on the podcast? I no, don't think so. Please tell no. the story. Huh? No, I you did? haven't. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I got invited to go to this Ravi Shankar um, concert, and um, I said, yeah, I want to go, you know, go check that out. And um, he had some, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, tabla player. that Zakir like, Hussain. Yes, he's exactly. He's the master of all masters. And he was uh, um, playing with him. But I had no idea that the concerts were like all day. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they, they'll play for four hours and then they'll take a break and then they'll t- play another four hours. And I had no <laughs> idea. I'm going to go, yeah, go check it out, you know. And, um, so, you know, they start out and I'm like, oh, this is killer and everything, you know, and everybody's just relaxed and everything. The next thing I know, I'm like sound asleep. Right. <laughs> and I've got like slobber going down the side of my mouth and they, and then everybody starts clapping. And I'm like, oh, hell, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's just like, you know, but I mean, it was amazing. The music's amazing, but it just was so relaxing. I was just like, that's oh. it. And it's, so... and he, they're playing ancient ragas, which yeah. are, some of them are transit, some are, yeah, so and they'll go for 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah so yeah. they'll put you yeah. in a little trance. Yeah, yeah it was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool to actually see him. Uh, George Harrison was there in the front, so I got to see him, of course. Yeah. Cool. Know, yeah. see, see a legend there, that's for sure. So that's one of the things. You're one of the few people um, where we'll mention certain musicians, and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like Sakir Hussain or someone, and we're yeah. like, you know, no one knows that. Yeah. And then you're one of the few people that do do know some more outskirts. The dude ripped people, you know. The dude ripped, man. Oh, he's insane. Yeah. yeah. You know, and just knowing Ravi Shankar, for one, a lot of people don't even know who he yeah. is or the name, but. Yeah, pretty amazing sitar player for yeah. sure. Do you know who his daughter is that's super famous uh, modern kind of pop which, musician? Which one? Oh. Yeah. No. I Nora, I, Nora Jones is I, one. Oh. Oh. Who's the other one? I can't remember her name, damn it. Uh, you can't bring it up without knowing her name. That's why wait, I asked wait, you. Wait, Jones is his daughter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. And then it's, uh, God, and she's amazing. Nora's amazing, too. Yeah, oh, she is. God. I had no idea, dude. Yeah. Uh, who, okay, who's, who's the other daughter? I don't know. Damn it. Is she a violin player? I got nothing. Okay. All right. I'll for next show we'll I'll have the name and we'll look it up and make sure we know that. But I'm pretty sure there's another daughter. I recall that, but yeah. I, I yeah, I don't recall uh, okay. the person at this moment. Well, anything else you guys that you want to talk about or anything? Wow, well, that's a pretty good session there. Oh yeah, I got one last thing. Okay. So us uh, fly guys or our fly guides are supposed to be dullards and kind of uh, not educated to the fullest. Um, but I actually read a book. I was who the hell's saying this? Yeah, um, maybe just me and you. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was gifted a book from Gary Creel, and huh? it was uh, by Edward Abbey, and the name of the book's Desert Solitaire, and it was fantastic. So a lot of times I'll be given books, or I'll pull up a book that's supposed to be a classic, and I'll start reading it. I'll get a couple chapters in, and whether it's the style or the uh, subject matter, I, I fade out and I don't get through it. But this thing was awesome, great subject matter, uh, where, very well written, and, and apparently it was a classic written in '65. Um, I'm not super uh, literature edu- educated, so I hadn't heard of it before, um, but enjoyed it a lot. So if you guys get a chance to check it out, anyone who reads out there, um, Edward Abbey, 
uh, Desert Solitaire. Super good. What, what, what's it about? Like, can, he, can so it? he's, um, I can't remember what he was, I think he's a writer, um, educated as a writer. And then for three years, he was um, basically superintendent of Arches National Park in the mid 60s. So he was um, like head um, uh, ranger, basically, on the, on the park grounds. And so he writes about his experiences within the park. And then a lot of them are a lot of them are personal experiences, and but then some are like the ranger experiences too, you know. So and the parts Robbie's told me about, he goes through a lot of uh, the struggles of um, being alone or being uh -oh. in society. You and were telling me about getting that. away yeah. from that, and then yeah. meeting that, and it's it's you know, it's kind of interesting. I'm going to read it next too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to, I was going to, what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah. You were talking about, um, you know, guides not being educated and, you know, kind of, you know, I guess, uh, not, they, not, there's a stereotype to right. a certain extent, yeah. but, uh, I'm going to counter that because one is that, you know, guides go out with all these different walks of life and they get to talk to all these different types of people about different things different subjects. Uh, I'm sure you guys have found that out, right? Yep, definitely. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, they're, they're educated or not, but they're socially educated for sure. That's to, the thing. to be the, a good yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah you that word educated. We always think of yeah. being from a school and getting this degree or that Form, degree. Formally yeah. educated. Form, but it's, it's yeah. not that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So the, um, the, the better guides are absolutely. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Definitely. For oh. sure. Yeah. Well, right on, you guys. If you guys have any comments out there um, or questions or want to hear anything, you know, go to Kern River Fly Shop Podcast at gmail.com and write us an email there. Um, one of us will answer you or we'll answer it on the next podcast, the next uh, guide roundtable for sure. And uh, thanks for listening, you guys. And uh, this is the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. Thank right. you. Talk to you later, guys.